0: Welcome back to the Deliberate Leaders Podcast. I am your host and executive coach, Allison Dunn. I am pleased to introduce our guest today. We have with us Bob Arcianaga. He is founder and managing partner of Advisory Board Architects, which is a global firm that leverages expertise and proprietary systems to help build and manage fiduciary and non-fiduciary boards, for both private and public-based companies of all sizes, Small to big is the general sense I get. Bob, thank you so much for joining us here today.
1: Allison, what a pleasure. It's so great to be here. I've heard so much about your podcast. I'm really, really excited. Thank you.
0: I I love to kick these off with a deliberate conversation. Um, What would be your number one leadership tip for our listeners?
1: Ooh, that's a great one. Well, um, my belief is leadership is really driven by action. And so um, if leaders really want to be, uh, to be considered as, as someone they should follow, that other people should follow, I think they should lead with action and, and not as much words, <laughs> not as many words, so let's, let's just do and, and um, but let's do it together. Yeah.
0: Um i um i think that's i think it's a fantastic tip i am a person who believes action is really important and then congruent with you know what what you're about and often um, as board members especially since that's our topic today that you have to show action that you're also going to expect your you know your board members and the companies inside to also follow with so that's a cool tip thank you exactly, yeah. exactly. so um today our topic is high impact leaders create high impact boards and that is what you do help companies create correct
1: yeah we, we focus on only high impact boards and and maybe it'd be helpful if I define that because I was uh, gonna for, say the, <laughs> explain there's, the difference. there's, there's yeah. a very specific definition. You no know, the tr- the traditional or standard board model that we that we've ex- that we've all experienced in some way um, unfortunately is primarily focused especially these days On compliance and reporting. Um, And in many cases, you know, that's not necessarily what the owners and the executives really need a board for. They want a board to collaborate with on their biggest pressing strategic issues and avoid the report out sessions that many boards tend to fall into uh, based on the traditional board model. So we built a whole, a whole System and methodology backed up by our technology and our people that allows boards to move away from the traditional board processes and focus on a new paradigm of how boards should function in the future so that boards are actually providing the impact that most CEOs and owners really want from their boards. And by the way, what most board members really want to add value to, by the way,
0: Absolutely. I mean no one wants to sit at the table and not feel like they've contributed um right. to forward yeah. progress as opposed exactly. to reverse, you know, review exactly. Exactly. Um, at, um, what is what is the size of which a company should decide to create a board?
1: It's a it's kind of a loaded question. <laughs>
0: you know.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so thank you for putting me on the spot. I appreciate <laughs> that. Um Look, I think at first you need to define what kind of board do you want, right? Um, and if you if you have to have a board, uh, in many cases for fiduciary purposes, um, then then that's a certain way to go, and you may need to have certain fiduciary protocols and those types of things. However, many privately held companies, and especially fast growing ones, um, they don't necessarily need to have independent board members in a fiduciary capacity. There's no rules or regulations usually that that dictate that. So the only reason that a fast-growing company would want to add independence in in that type of setting, whether it's fiduciary or non-fiduciary, advisory board, non-fiduciary, the only reason you'd want to do that is if the, in our, in a high impact board model anyway, is if the board members were going to help the team and the organization achieve their strategic initiatives faster than they would have otherwise. That's really the only reason in my mind, in my world, where a board really creates that high impact and value that most owners want.
0: Right. And who doesn't want
1: that? Well, unfortunately, there's a lot of boards um, that are more of a have to because that's what's mandated. Um, That's not to say that they can't be fully optimized and and create greater value, but there's always going to be a perception or at least a a portion of the process that's got to be dedicated to things that may not create the most enterprise value as possible.
0: Okay, so I think that that um, actually helped outline someone who may not have a board already, like the things that they would, you know, take into consideration, consider creating. And and, and when it comes to creation, because you asked a good question, I think it's less around size
1: and it's more about mentality, right? Yes. Is the CEO or the owner open to understanding and listening to a group of outside experts that, should be there to help them expand their business or accelerate their business model faster than they would have. And, and that could be a company at, you know, $5 million in revenue, uh-huh. it could be a company at $500 million. Um, we and work it could also 100%. be a
0: company at 500000 I mean,
1: the- It could be, it could be. I will tell you this, we've seen boards for very, very large organizations that for all intents and purposes, um, the CEO doesn't think the board adds a tremendous amount of value to them. They don't use it for that. And honestly, the board members don't, most of the board members feel exactly the same way. They uh-huh. don't feel like they're adding a lot of value, but they're there because it's a fiduciary capacity and they have to be there. So we call those half two boards versus want two boards.
0: Mm-hmm. I um, I like the distinction. That's that's mm-hmm. a good point, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would, um, I would say, like, you know, I, I recognize that um, there just can be a lot of overwhelming feeling for CEOs um, with everything that they already have on their plate. And so um, why is it important for leaders to focus on maximizing the boards that they do have and how can they do so? So if they have a, a have-to board, like, how can they convert that?
1: Great, great question. First and <laughs> foremost, stop reporting to your board start leveraging and collaborating with your board. It's a big, big difference. It sounds trivial, it really isn't. The processes are completely different. For example, in most, in most board settings, the traditional board setting, um, which is changing, thankfully, um, not just because of what we do, but, but others recognize this as well, is very much focused on um, putting a PowerPoint presentation together, sending it out to your board members and then the CEO and the team presenting the information. Well, that's, that's a history lesson on what's happened in the past. That's not focused. Now, we're trying to explain it in such a way that hopefully we can have discussions about the future based on that information. But because of the reporting nature of it and the presentation nature of it, Unfortunately, we spend a lot of time rehashing things that are already known, Mm -hmm. rather than focusing on the things that we could really use the board and leverage the board for, to help us think through what's next. What's the future hold? How can, instead of being historians, how can we be futurists on the board, Mm -hmm. right? How can our discussions focus on the things that are gonna drive the most enterprise value. If you really think about it, even in my own business, all of our businesses, we have a number of strategic initiatives, right? A lot. We've got to do a lot of things. And there's always this this long list of things. It never ends. As soon as you get rid of one, another one pops up. It's like whack-a-mole. However, if you really press most organizations, I think you'll find, I know we have, that there's usually one two, or two, maybe three or four at most key drivers of the enterprise value of the future. Okay. It's, it's not 20 things, it's usually one or two big things, right? In our mind, why would you leverage a board for anything else other than discussing those things that are gonna drive the most enterprise value to your organization? because this is what that group's for. It should be, Um, rather than just saying, here's what we did last quarter. What do you think, right? As if we didn't already know whether the results were good or bad. (laughs) Right, right.
0: Um, so for those who are listening and already have a board that may be more on the have to versus the want to scenario side, um, or um, those that are listening that would want to consider building a high-impact board, what are some of the skill sets um, or relevant things to help build that enterprise conversation?
1: a Great question. So most people think that a resume or the, 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 the past skills of a person are based on their um, where they've worked and their titles and those types of things. And we would say, actually, we break it down into two key variables, what we call quotients, the data quotient and the technical quotient. The technical quotient is their expertise, but we look at it quite a bit differently within our, within our mathematical modeling, because we predict mathematically the level of strategic impact that a board member or a board candidate will have on a board before they're invited to join up. So we take out all the yes, we take all the subjectivity out and we focus purely on how their experience can impact the strategic initiatives of the organization. So on the experience side or technical quotient, what we focus on is how is their experience and what they've accomplished. And here's the really important part, what they've had to overcome to accomplish. So the failures too, right? How does that relate? to what we as an organization are trying to do in our strategic initiatives. Remember those one or two or three things. Mm -hmm. If we focus on those things and we're, let's say we're trying to build, I'm just going to use this as an example, a new SaaS model for our business. Well, you are going to want to talk about that for some time to come because it's not just, oh, we'll have a discussion, we'll present it, the board will say, go for it. And then we forget about it right this is going to be an ongoing thing and it's going to really drive our enterprise growth and value in the future so i want people on my board that know that almost exclusively not necessarily but but they have deep expertise there in exactly what we're hoping to do in the future and i want to learn from them i want to present to them our ideas of what we're going to do and i want to hear them help us expand and influence our thinking around those things, right? So that's the technical piece. All the other stuff I would maybe kind of put secondary to that as far as, you know, um, what companies they worked at, you know, do they have strategic expertise, who doesn't, right? At this level, Um, you know, those other things I would really focus instead mostly on that piece that's going to drive the most value. There's a secondary piece though that most people kind of leave to the end and hope this is going to work. And that's what we call the data quotient or the, it's really a cultural piece. Are they the type of person that's going to walk in and dictate or tell you, this is what you should do. This is how you should do it. And you know, if you're not the CEO, the type of CEO, your team does not have the type of culture that responds in that manner. I don't, I, you know, honestly, regardless because of their experience, is. it's not a fit uh, long term.
0: Yeah. yeah, just not. Yeah. Um. One of my favorite sayings is, you know, when you were talking about the expertise and then the data side of it, is no one cares how much you know until they know how much you care, and that has to be a good fit.
1: Other it really does, right? Does not yeah, we 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 even tell uh, board candidates that go through our training programs, you are not there to dictate. We we can't stand the word director you actually don't direct anything. When's the last time a CEO is directed, <laughs> okay? CEOs learn, they adapt, they learn hopefully <laughs> uh, and they succeed, right? And so what I need is I need a group of people that aren't gonna challenge everything I say necessarily, right, um, I don't need people that are gonna agree with me either. And I don't need people that are di- going to dictate what I should or shouldn't do. What I really need are people that are going to influence my mm-hmm. thinking. I need influencers, not in the traditional or the, the new social media sense, but I need influencers and people that know how to speak to me, not talk at me. Yeah. And there's right. a big difference with that. Too. There's a massive difference and it's a big skill set. But it can be learned, it actually can be learned. The problem is, here's a unique thing, most CEOs in their CEO roles don't do it that way. Right? They're, they're not trained, that. We're not really trained that way, right? And so sometimes our CEO skills actually don't equate to being a great collaborative, what we call a board leader rather than mm. a board member.
0: Um, that's such a great distinction too. So like you're saying, like director, we don't direct anything and we're not just members, we're leaders. Yeah. We're
1: leaders, right? Yeah. Yeah.
0: Fantastic. Um, I, um, I would love to maybe have you share um, either, you know, from your business experience or those from maybe some of your clientele that you work with, can you um, share an example or two of the enterprise type of solutions? I mean, I know you use software as a solution as an example, but some of the results you can expect from a high-impact board, like, and how long does it take to get those types of results?
1: So you mean transitioning a, a business model based on your based on your boards? And, yeah, yeah. That's a great yeah. question. Thank you. Uh, I mean, I have a lot of stories I can share, but I always find it best to share a personal story of our own experience. It. Um, we We drink our own Kool-Aid. We we have a board. I'm, I'm like the the Hair Club for Men guy. I'm I'm the founder and <laughs> a client at the same time. Right? Not just I'm <laughs> losing my hair, but, but both. And <clears throat> I'll tell you, our board has been instrumental in the growth of our business. I mean instrumental. We would not be here now, maybe not ever, if it hadn't been for them. And I'll never forget, it was a year before COVID, right? Our business is doing great. Our issues were we couldn't scale fast enough. And so I went to the board thinking they were going to tell us you need to hire people faster, you need to develop more training programs, whatever it was. Um, you need to hire a, a, a better, a, you know, a real CHRO that was gonna you know, be helped help the organization grow through people and our board influenced my thinking and my team's thinking by saying you guys are focusing on the wrong thing how can we scale our business without people Mm -hmm. and that's when the whole technology piece came up now I've never built a technology company I I barely know how to use my email honestly (laughs) (laughs) like to admit it I'm a techno idiot, I, you know, I just, I, I, it just everything everything technical I touch, it breaks. So nobody lets me touch anything. So I'm sitting there going, how am I gonna build a software company? You know, how am I gonna transition our business? And it was, what was great about it is the first step in the process is having the board influence your thinking into something that's potentially drastically different. And if they told me, Bob, you have to build or you should build a SaaS model, I would have said, no, you don't know what you're talking about. We're not doing that. That's a waste of our time. Why are you on our board? I would have been having those kinds of discussions. But the way they said it, and then my openness to, okay, I'm not sure i buy this one, okay? But let's assume I did. What's step one? What do we do first, right? And how do we move this forward? And really what I told my board is, give me the business case of why we should do this. And when they related the business case to me, everything resonated like that's exactly what I wanted for the vision of my business, right? We all have, I think a lot of us have visions of our business. We don't necessarily know how we're gonna get there yet, but we have this grand vision. And as long as things fit within the vision, boy, it's realistic, right? Mm -hmm. But you just got to show me how it fits within the vision. And that's what my board did. And they influenced my thinking to the point that three years later, by the way, we launched our our newest company, which is the SaaS offering of our our, um, service company, Advisory Board Architects. We launched Boardology in November of 2020.
0: Oh, so, you did it in under a year.
1: Yeah, we we did we did it in a wow. in, in about a year in about a year. Okay, and, but it was a it was a real focus, and you know, you know, even though COVID was a tragic thing for all of us and a very difficult thing for for a lot of us to deal with, um, I'll tell you one of the one of the uh, benefits, at least for our business. Which you know, looking back on it, was good for our business. I don't know that COVID was a good thing at all, but but it was good for our business in that we had the time at that point to really focus on how would we do this, mm-hmm. right? And and so um, I I remember I I got COVID I got I got COVID fairly early um, in, uh, in 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 uh, in the in the process oh, of the cool. I think it was March or <laughs> April 2020. And I remember um, okay. once Where I was finally, yeah, when I was finally first through the, the scariest part, the first three weeks, I remember I, I couldn't, didn't really have a lot of energy, but but I could at least have a phone call a day. And all I was doing was talking to our different board members about how can, how would this work? So we're now we're here. So how do we make, how do we move this forward? And and all those resources started coming together and my team was great. And they started helping, you know, helping put those things together. Next thing you know, we're building a software platform, which I had never envisioned. So, um, you know-
0: So so your board um, had you identify, you were asking, how do we scale this? And they said, how do we scale it without people? Which has been obviously even, you know, with the human capital (laughs) crunch is the word I'm gonna Mm -hmm. add. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, what a brilliant uh, strategy and you were able to get off the ground in a year. That's impressive. Yeah, 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 yeah. But
1: it it took a lot of going back and forth with the board. And it really did initially take that open-mindedness to say, I need to look at this. I I may not agree with it initially. I may not even like the idea initially, but I need to look at it. And I need to look at it uh, from an inquisitive perspective, not from an opinionated perspective.
0: Love that. That's a fantastic. Thank you for sharing. You bet. Yeah. <clears throat> um, as we're kind of um, wrapping up, I, um, as a, as a, a, a facilitator of mm-hmm. of things, I know that facilitating a board can be just a very challenging skill set to have. So, what um, what tips do you have uh, um, for our CEOs or people considering building a board that they can facilitate it in a more engaging way that does tap into um, the talent of the people around them.
1: Good question. Um, let me let me put it this way: I don't facilitate my board meetings from my with my board. Okay. When you think of facilitation, at EBA, I always tell our team our expertise is board effectiveness and board efficiency, but our passion is human collaboration. You put humans from different backgrounds, different experiences um, together and focus on something to solve Mm -hmm. and you give them the processes in which to do that, amazing things can happen. Now, unfortunately, I think for a CEO, especially like myself, I'm too close to my business. Mm-hmm. This, is, this is personal for me. This is everything for me, right? And so, and my team too, they're very close to the business and it means a lot to them. Um, and so for me to facilitate the meeting, I'm biased. I'm gonna push the meeting sometimes, unbalanced, just subconsciously, I may push the meeting in certain directions because I want it to go that way it's my business right where if I have somebody that I've trained or an independent facilitator it's a very different discussion usually but the facilitator has to be focused on really driving that collaboration and when things are going off the rails they nudge it back I always tell our team, our managing partners, when they're facilitating board meetings, and and I've always done it this way for our clients, is we should be noticeable, but at the same time, we shouldn't be there. Mm -hmm. In other words, people should notice that our facilitation tactics at times move the meeting in the right direction where we wanted to end up. Mm -hmm. But actually, we actually played, even though we might've played an active role in that, We didn't play an active role in any of the discussions. We didn't provide any content. We didn't provide inputs. All we were doing was tracking measurements within the meeting to ensure that that collaboration was happening at a high level. And if it was starting to drop down into tactical things or reporting or people were going off on tangents that were taking us off off of the, the objectives that we were trying to achieve, we were, we would be there to pull it back. So facil- board facilitation is really, really complicated and you need people that really understand that. Um, but but I would not recommend that most CEOs do that for themselves.
0: That is, I think the best tip you've given today is that they don't do it for themselves. Oh, good. That's fantastic. Perfect. Okay. Love it. Yeah. Um, what, um, what would be, so I guess final, final question. Um, what would be your advice to executives who are thinking about joining boards or becoming a board member? Um, uh, what should they be thinking about to set their expectations of the impact they wanna make?
1: Great question. So two things that I'll share. One, um, most people I speak to and, and the, that my team interviews for board opportunities, we place a lot of board members, uh, usually about 150 to 200 a year, globally. So we place a lot of board members. Um, a very common thread that we see, most of them think they're really, really good at this. And we don't doubt that they won't be someday. And we, we, have, that's why we have a training program However, we need them to be that way, minute one, meeting one, day one. So we have to retrain a lot of their bad habits. Remember I was saying earlier, what made you a good CEO or good executive may not make you a really great board leader. You really wanna enhance those skills. And the skills I'd be focused on is how are you an influencer? Influence usually comes not from giving advice and it doesn't come from challenge. It comes from questions Mm -hmm. that are open-ended, not leading. And it comes from what we call Gestalt protocol of communication. We call it campfire, Um, but it's a way to share stories without giving advice.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. Um, So if you can master those two skills, boy you are gonna be really, really good at this really quickly. So that's number one, enhance your skills. The second piece that I would recommend to people is um, more of a tactical thing. The most powerful question that any board member can ask in any boardroom at any time, regardless of situation or anything else, is a very simple question that never gets asked or rarely gets asked, I shouldn't say never. Would it be helpful if? Would it be helpful if I did this for you, CEO? Would it be helpful if I did this for you and your business owner? Okay, you're doing two, it's a compound question. You're doing two things with that. One, first and foremost, you're asking for permission to help. Most, many board members think that if I have, if I have something to offer, then it's needed. And normally it is, but not always. Mm-hmm. And it's good to just say, look, would that be helpful? And if the CEOs and the team says, yeah, that would be great, then you know, that's going to be useful. Allow them to say, actually, no. And in that way, it'll save you time. You don't have to worry about it then. Oh, OK. But they may say, but that won't be helpful. But if you could help us with this, that would be great. Mm-hmm. Awesome. That's what I'm here to do. And that's the second piece of the compound. And that is, I'm here to help you. I'm not here to judge you. I'm not here to oversee you. I'm not here to to I'm not here to do anything but support you and the team getting to the goals that you want to get to faster. You'll become an instant board leader if you start doing those things.
0: Great. Ed. So those are two those are two small ones. We got a whole list of them. <laughs> yeah, that's that's fantastic. Um, I said last question but I actually have one more question I think um, when um, when someone's evaluating the number of people to have around the table giving them guidance is there like like a range that you believe is an ideal sweet spot for a board size
1: yeah two ways to answer that one in general okay it's not our data but it but I would and don't take my word for it go look for yourselves, and, 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 and your listeners should go look for themselves in studies on human collaboration. Uh, most studies around human collaboration that I've seen anyway, the data I've seen shows that at around nine to 10 human beings, mm-hmm. collaboration starts to fall very, very quickly. And it rapidly falls the greater you, the more people you, you add into the equation. Okay, it's there's a lot of politics that start to come in and different, different things, I guess, from, a, from human nature that start to derail collaboration rather than, than true collaboration that most organizations want. So if you include your team and your, and your CEO and, and all these people, it doesn't leave a lot of room for independent board members, right? So, um, so 8 to 10 is usually the magic number that you want in a boardroom. But even that, we recommend, at least our data shows, this is our data, that you don't want more more than four to six independents that dominate the meeting. And when I say dominate, I really do mean dominate. We've seen the optimal board results from a board meeting. We call it an 88-12 rule. 88% of the total time of the meeting is spent with the independent board members, board leaders, whether they're fiduciary or non, the independent board leaders speaking in the meeting. That means only twelve percent of the time, the CEO, the the team, the owners, the non-independents are speaking. Only twelve percent. So that that's seems that's like the optimal run. number. It like it's, it it's, yeah, it's, I think. In, in, in a lot of the boards of sheets it's reversed but that's the process because it's that report out mentality right mm-hmm. but if you eliminate the report outs then you can achieve 8812 okay. it's achievable
0: um, th- um thank you so much for the guidance that you've provided today through this podcast what um, what would be the best way for folks to either connect with you or find more information about your software as a solution or your advisory um, opportunities?
1: Yeah, thank you. So advisory board architects with an S.com or boardology, boardology.com. Uh, those are our two, our two companies. Uh, boardology is the SAS model and, and ABA advisory board architects is the, is the full service model. So those are the two. I see your cat in the background. I'm going to type those in right now. I'm, I'm, um, so happy She'll to include those in with the with show her. notes. <laughs> <laughs> happy to happy to speak with, with her. And, and you can see we have videos and stuff that explain a little bit more about high-impact boards and, and how Fantastic. they might, might be beneficial to your business.
0: Fantastic. Bob, I've thoroughly enjoyed our conversation today. Thank you so much for joining us.
1: Allison, it was a real pleasure. I appreciate you.